Amen. You know, the same Israel of the Bible is the same Israel of today. God's people were God's people in the Scripture, and they're still God's people now. And they'll still be God's people after the rapture of the church and the second coming of the Lord and the millennial reign. And uh, I think sometimes there's a disconnect. I saw uh, somebody this week that is a believer, supposedly, uh, voicing support for the Palestinians uh, and the terrorist groups. And so, uh, listen, the, the same Israel that we read about in the scripture is the same Israel that is in their promised land today. And for all of the complaining about uh, their land and, you know, they were, they were just given back what was rightfully theirs in 1948. They didn't get something new. Uh, and so it's hard for me to wrap my brain around the way that sometimes people think in this current day and age about things. Uh, and so we read it in the Bible and have a hard time making application to it in our life today. And I'm not saying that to try to be offensive this morning, uh, but God's people in, in their everyday lives ought to reflect uh, the message and the, the, the principles and the uh, character traits that God reveals of himself in his word. Uh, and so those words and those promises that he made uh, back in the beginning are still in force today. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, God is with Israel today and God is coming. Uh, and so I'm, I'm glad that he lets us as Gentiles uh, be, have access to their salvation. Uh, and what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And so, uh, people that don't like Jews, Jesus is a Jew. And I hate to break the news this morning, but Jesus is, uh, is Jewish. And so, he is, uh, and it, it's just, that, that's God's people. And we stand with them, pray for them, stand in awe of how God comes to their aid. Uh, and so, be in prayer for things that are going on there. Now, speaking of, uh, our missionary uh, that's there um, is uh, good reports in the area in which he lives that things have been pretty quiet. So uh, we rejoice in that. I don't want to say his name on because of the live stream, but um, but it's uh, <clears throat> it's a blessing to get the good reports. But there's still uh, much to be done, uh, and so as we reflect on those things, well, we say that this morning we begin to look uh, at things that are important to us biblically. Uh, in regards to Jesus, who he is, how he came, uh, and all of those types of things. I want you to take your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 this morning. We are going to uh, look at several different passages this morning. We're going to uh, start here and go pretty quickly to Luke chapter 1 as well. Uh, and so if you get to Matthew 1 and want to go ahead and make your way or find your place there in Luke 1, uh, we're going to move there quickly. Uh, after we've given the text this morning. But Matthew chapter 1, and uh, again, as I stated in opening statements this morning, uh, you know, what we celebrate during this season is critical to our salvation. Uh, without a virgin birth, the, re the crucifixion, the resurrection, none of that matters. Uh, and so, as far as we're concerned. And so, uh, we're going to look this morning at the importance of the virgin birth and, uh, and why it's important that we understand that and why it's so important that Jesus came in the way that he did. So, Pastor, that's just kind of common. Uh, you'd be surprised. New, newer versions, uh, newer or updated supposedly Christmas carols are changing that message. And so, I was listening to um, a song the other day and it talked about away in a manger. Uh, and instead of saying... Uh, round young virgin that said favored one. Uh, and so she was a favored one. Yes. 
but but when you weaken the message, yeah. uh, it's it, you know we're we're making a case. God gave us biblically the proof and the case to be made uh, for the truth of those fundamental doctrines and the weakness. Uh, of, uh, you know, updating things is that it, it waters down and it diminishes things that are critically important uh, to our understanding of the Word of God and Jesus and who He is. Uh, so, Matthew chapter 1 and beginning in verse number 18, and I realize it's Christmas and we read these passages pretty much every December. You'll be familiar with them. We're familiar with the story, uh, but don't check out before we read it. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Let's pray together. Fathers, we start this morning. I ask that you'd speak through me and that you would open our hearts. May we receive your word. May we understand the importance, uh, not just that Jesus came, but how he came. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be enlightened. If there's anyone here that's never put their faith and trust in Jesus and accepted him as their savior, found forgiveness of sin, light unto life, Lord, I pray that you would open their hearts today, Holy Spirit, that you would convict them of their sin, that you would draw them into our Savior. Lord, I pray that today would be the life-changing day that they've been longing for, whether they realize it or not. Lord, I pray that you would bless the service in every aspect, Lord, every person here needs something from you. Be with our people that are afflicted this morning and not able to be here. Uh, I know some uh, have long-standing health problems, others are uh, fighting flu symptoms, and Lord, I pray that you would just keep your hand upon your people, that you would give them health, and that you would restore them quickly. Lord, again, uh, as we turn now to your word, may we turn our hearts towards you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we get, again, looking at this, we see, and if you hold your place there and go to Luke chapter 1, it's a parallel passage and speaks much to the same, it just gives us more context <coughs> to the events as they're unfolding, and we're not going to go through uh, the entirety of the Christmas story, but we're going to look at the, the, the main parts here. Uh, and in Luke chapter number 1, and we're not even going to get to Luke chapter 2 this morning, but Luke chapter number 1, beginning in verse number 26, uh, and the sixth month the angel Gabriel sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at this saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. What an amazing place to find yourself in. 
where God would send an angel to tell you that you have God's favor. We long for the favor of God in our lives as Christians. And here is a young woman who has it. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. And then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her, who is called barren, for with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. That's an amazing statement as well. For her to say, be, be it unto me what you've said, let it happen to me. She is acknowledging her acceptance of what God has chosen her for. Now, understand the, the, the background here. You know, she is just going about her everyday life. Her everyday life is a young Jewish woman in Israel. And she is betrothed, which means that legally she's married, but the marriage has not been consummated. They are, not, they are, they are committed to one another, uh, but physically they are not with one another. Uh, and so there's, they, are, uh, they are together, they travel together, they're waiting for uh, the, the moment of the, of the marriage to be made, made public and to be, to be brought to pass, at which point of the, in the day of their wedding they would begin a normal marriage relationship like any husband and wife would. Uh, and so she is here, she is committed to and he is committed to. But they have not come together. And so they, uh, going through her normal life, all of a sudden, one day, she's just going about her business. And an angel, the angel Gabriel, appears to her uh, and says, fear not, which is a pretty, uh, pretty understandable statement. If, I think if I was sitting in my office and all of a sudden an, an angel uh, appeared in the room, it would be frightening. It's something that would make me kind of take a step back and say, what in the world is going on? What have I done? And am I going to die? Uh, and so uh, the angel says, fear not. And so the angel looks at her and begins to tell her, uh, you have the favor of God. You have been chosen by God to fulfill the prophecy that was given in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 14 properly. Uh, and we'll look at that in just a bit. But we, uh, you are going to experience a miracle. You a young woman, a virgin, and multiple times it's made clear that they had not come together. It's made clear that they, uh, that, that she is pure, that she has, she is not defiled. Uh, and so she's, she's here. She's, she's gone about life in a way that pleases and honors God. God has found favor of her. She naturally is fearful of what she's told, but she's also processing what that means for her. She is going to be carrying a child and everyone in their community, and it's a little bit difficult for us to understand in a community like the greater Houston area 
and in Baytown, where you may go uh, for weeks on end, going in and out of businesses and restaurants and stores uh, and never run across anybody that you know. But if you live in a small town, everybody knows everybody. Everybody knows what's going on. I mean, I've lived in towns that are small enough that if something happened to me before I even got home to tell my wife, she already knew. Uh, and so <laughs> it's like, uh, it's just that small community where you go someplace and, uh, and people, people tell you. Uh, and sometimes even in our community, things like that will happen. I went, uh, it was in a doctor's office the other day uh, and the doctor, the, uh, the patient that, that was in before me came out and he was just chatty, 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 Kathy. And he's talking, 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 talking. And then uh, he went to the, uh, to the secretary to get processed out and, uh, and talked for probably five or seven minutes to her. And then he turned around and looked at me and I'm just kind of scrolling the news on my phone, waiting my turn. And then he said, hey, I think I know you. Don't I see you? Well, I walk in my neighborhood a lot. Don't I see you walking in the neighborhood all the time? And I, I think for probably 15 minutes, he talked. I think I might have said one or two sentences in the entire time, uh, and he just talked and talked and talked. And that kind of thing can happen even to us here. But in Nazareth, everybody knew everybody. Everybody knew everything that was going on. You couldn't have an argument with your spouse and everybody in town not know it. Your children couldn't get away with anything because everybody would be ratting them out. Uh, and so uh, it, it was just that kind of a world. So here's Mary about to be miraculously pregnant in a town where everyone is going to be looking and judging and condemning. Interesting too, we live in a morally perverse culture that accepts virtually all immorality, biblical immorality, as moral. I mean, when I was a young man, everybody kind of understood basic morality and accepted a biblical basis of morality. We didn't abide by it, most people, uh, but everybody acknowledged it. Today, people are clueless. The younger, probably three generations, generations after me, uh, really don't even understand that what they're doing biblically is wrong and sinful and an offense to God. Uh, and so that's not her culture. I say that because Sometimes we interpret scripture by our cultural experience, but we really can't understand what's being communicated to us if we don't understand what their cultural experience was. And in their culture, she would have been an outcast. She would have been having people in town clamoring to have her stone. Mary, uh, Joseph, have you come together before your wedding? No, we haven't. Then she has betrayed her espoused husband and is pregnant. And the way that she becomes pregnant is a miracle. It's not natural. It's only a natural assumption by everyone that would know her that she sinned against her husband. That she sinned against biblical morality. That's not like people are getting some harebrained idea and coming up with it was the normal response to what they experienced but what she experienced was not normal she's processed gabriel's telling her this and in her mind for the next rest of my life i'm going to be branded for the rest and she says still when gabriel is finished 
as you have said unto me, let it happen. That's an amazing faith. It's an amazing uh, relationship with God that she has. And she surrenders to or submits to what, the, what God's will for her life is, even though it goes against everything that she dreamed about as a girl. And, and you would say, but she gets to be the mother of the Son of God. Uh, who wouldn't want that? Understand what you're saying there. By accepting that, she is going to give birth and she is going to watch her son suffer and be attacked and be scourged. She was present when he was hanging on the cross. She was there whenever he gave up the ghost and gave his last breath. Any parent's worst nightmare is outliving our children. But imagine standing there watching them struggle for breath and die as they suffered and bled. That's what she accepted. And they understood that there was going to be a sacrificial atonement for sin, that Messiah was coming. And they, they lacked some understanding on some level that the, of this, of that the way that Jesus would die, they looked for just for the kingdom. But in her heart, she knew that he's coming to save his people from his sins. This is God with us. This is Emmanuel. It's what the name means, that, that God is going to be with man. And she says... I will accept this burden. And then she's born. Not in the comfort of home. Not in the comfort of a hospital suite. But in a stable. And she did all of that. And we look and we consider <coughs> what she's done. And how God in turn blessed her. I mean, after Jesus' birth, and I know uh, that, you know, there are religious factions out there that want to proclaim the perpetual virginity of Mary, which is not biblical and it's not rational. She had four other children that we know of that are listed in the scripture. Uh, two of Jesus' brothers, James, uh, became the pastor of the church at Jerusalem. And Jude wrote the book of Jude in the New Testament, last book before uh, Revelation. Uh, and so we look and we understand that, that her relationship with Joseph was normal in every way. And Joseph deserves a lot of, a lot of points and a lot of credit too. He accepted this responsibility. And he accepted uh, to, to carry that and to bear that. So why is that important? Why did it have to be that way? And I, you know, we, we sing the songs. We, we were taught it from our childhood. If you've been in church and in a Christian world, uh, that Jesus was uh, born of a virgin. We, but why does it matter? Why did it have to be that way? And it's critical that it was that way because if it wasn't that way, we have no salvation. And so why was it so important? And I want you to consider, first of all, it was important because it was the fulfillment of the scripture. The Bible prophecies had to be fulfilled. Things that were written hundreds of years earlier were perfectly fulfilled in the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no way that anyone could say that this person wrote this because they had inside information. This was written generations before the birth of Christ. It was 
I believe, 14 generations since the last major leader segment in, uh, in Israel going back to, I think, all the way to David. It may be before that. I didn't verify that. My, my memory's a little faint. But there was a huge gap, the fulfillment of the Scripture. So why is that important? Well, notice in, uh, in, back in Matthew chapter 1, uh, in verse number 22, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet. And so God spoke through a prophet and stated uh, that this is important. Why is that important? Well, it's important because of the integrity of the Scripture. The integrity of the Scripture has to be maintained. In Psalm 119, verse 89, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Before it was ever written by the hand of man on the earth, it was written in heaven. It already was there. Jesus is the word. And the word was made flesh and walked among us. Jesus Christ is the word of God. The word of God is Jesus in print. And when we look and we understand what he's saying here, it's important that we, that we get that the integrity of the Word of God is critical to our faith. If the Word of God is compromised, and even a small detail, then I can't trust it. And if I can't trust a small detail, how can I trust the important details? And so can I trust the Word of God? Can I trust God? It is critical that this be true that I might believe the word of God. One deficiency would render the entirety invalid. And so we see that the, the fulfillment of the virgin birth is the fulfillment of the scripture and protecting the integrity of the scripture. It is a prophecy that's been given. We see it fulfilled in Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14. He says, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive uh, and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel. And so all the way back during the time of Isaiah, all the way back while they're, uh, while they're spiritually corrupt, they are uh, rebuked by God in Isaiah. They are told in the first, uh, first 39 chapters of Isaiah as condemnation upon Israel for their idolatry and for their blending of, uh, of religions and their blending of uh, of idol worship into their worship of their of Jehovah and uh, all of those things and there's uh, judgment is coming and uh, Nebuchadnezzar is coming and they're going to be uh, torn apart as a nation and dispersed but right now he's still sounding the cry and he says to them the, the, the prophet is telling you all of these things and he's going to reassemble the nation and he's going to come for his children and here's the proof that a virgin will conceive and bear a son. And he will be God. He will be God with us. And so when we look and we understand this morning that the fulfillment of the scripture preserves the integrity of the scripture and it fulfills a prophecy that's been given. By the way, I'm telling you one, there are over 300 prophecies concerning the birth of Christ that are, uh, that are confirmed, uh, that, are, that are given, uh, that prove the virgin birth of Christ. The Bible can be trusted. The Bible, and it's, it's, it's paramount to my life that I do trust it. Secondly, it's important because it was a sign for the Jews. The Jews were given a sign. So, Pastor, I want a sign. We don't get a sign. The Jews got a sign. And so, you know, you see that in a lot of 
charismatic and Pentecostal type environments now where, uh, where they, they you know, have this sign and that sign. Listen, those signs are passed, those are gone away. The Bible says very clearly that when that which is perfect has come, and that which is in part speaking of the gifts, there are some spiritual gifts that are permanent, there are some that are signs. They were given for a sign during the transitional period of the book of Acts as the church is being established, Christ has ascended. Those aren't for us today. Those are, uh, the, the, the Bible is, is fulfilled, it's complete. We have the complete word of God. He told us, don't add to it, don't take away from it. And so, you know, you have the groups out there, well, they, I got a special revelation from God, or, uh, you know, the Pope speaks as cathedra, and the, this group, you know, they get a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge. That is all contrary to the scripture. Jesus said, I've given you the complete word of God. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. There is no new revelation. We have the complete fulfilled word of God. And so the sign for the Jews, but I want a sign. Well, we don't get one. Well, I want one. Well, you have to take that up with God. God's the one that said we don't get one. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says, and he's telling them things are going to happen for the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after wisdom. So why did they get a sign? Because it was a different relationship than we had. The Greeks didn't care about a sign. They cared about philosophy and they cared about uh, about logic and all of those things. And the Romans cared about power. And it's amazing how God constructed the Bible and every gospel is written to a different group so that everyone that existed in that, in that world, in that culture, had a portion of scripture that presented Jesus and spoke to them in a way that was palatable to them, that caused them to be drawn to him. Uh, and so, uh, and we see that in all of the gospels. And so it is a sign for the Jews. The Jews' sign was the virgin birth of Christ. And it was a prophesied sign. Again, in Isaiah 7, 14, a virgin shall conceive. It is a sign that's been given by God. Thirdly, consider the sinless nature of the Savior. Now, we've talked about this some of late. We've, we've seen it. We've, <coughs> we've looked at Romans chapter 5. Uh, a lot in the last few weeks, but for uh, sake of making the point here, uh, and for those that haven't been here during that time, uh, we need to go to Romans chapter 5 for just a moment. Uh, but in Romans chapter 5, and I'm not going to belabor this, but beginning in verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and death, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. We're all sinners, we're all sinners by nature. We all have passed to us from Adam a sinful nature. It's just who we are. It's, what, it's the essence of what we are. Uh, and so, praise the Lord, we no longer have any pets. Uh, and so we don't need pets. We have grandchildren. Uh, and so, uh, but we, we no longer have any pets. But uh, we, we tended to, when we've had pets, they've been dogs. If you're a cat person, God bless you. There won't be any in heaven. But, uh, you know, I think I saw a good one on my way in this morning on the side of the road. But, uh, but uh, you know, I am, I am just kidding. I wouldn't be cruel to a cat. Uh, and so, but, uh, but, you know, whenever we would get a puppy, that puppy didn't have to, I never had to teach a dog how to bark. I didn't have to teach it how to sniff around the yard. I, I might have to teach it where to go, but I didn't teach it, have to teach it how to go. Uh, and so it just did what dogs do. And so all of those things, it just, they just do what they do. Uh, and why? Because it's their nature. Our nature is to sin. No one had to teach you. You didn't have to, never had to, none of us, not one person in here ever had to teach our child how to lie, how to be selfish, uh, how to put themselves first, uh, how to cry when they didn't get their way. Not one of us had to teach them how to do a single thing that was bad. 
But the only thing that they ever potentially did that was good on their own was express some love. And the only reason they did that is because they received love first. You know why we do that? Because he first loved us. And so it's just a picture of what God expresses to us. And so we are sinners by nature. And that's the point really here of Romans chapter 5, in particular verse 12 down to the end of the chapter. Uh, and so, but because of that, death came. In verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam unto Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. Through, up until Moses, because then Moses gave the law and the law exposed uh, the sin and the condemnation. Uh, and then so in verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So sin came to all by Adam, eternal life and righteousness can come to all through Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men unto condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And we could go on and on there, but I want to make several points here about the sinless nature of the Savior. Why is the virgin birth so important? Well, it's important because it maintains the integrity, it fulfills the scripture. It's important because it was a sign to the Jews, <coughs> excuse me, that their Messiah had come. But it's important, and in particular to us, that the sinless nature of the Savior has been presented to us. Why is that important? Number one, or first of all, uh, the sinless nature, the sin nature is naturally inherited from Adam. Again, not to belabor the point, but we are sinners by nature. It was in us from birth. God, when we, when we sinned, the spirit died, we were born in sin. We are born naturally as sinners. Secondly, the sinless life with a human father would have been a sinful, would still be a sinful nature. In other words, if Jesus had a natural human father that was conceived in a natural, in a natural conception, then Jesus would have had a sinful nature. Because he was born of a virgin, he did not have a human father. And because he did not have a human father, he did not have a sinful nature. He was born free from that sin nature that all of us inherited. See, ladies, everything that's bad about your children is because of your husband. It's not because of you. <laughs> Biblical truth. And so we are sinners because of our father. A sinless life with a human father would still have been a sinful nature. If Jesus had a sin nature, then his sinless life and his sacrifice would have been atonement only for his own sinful nature. But because he was free of that, he was acceptable. Thirdly, consider that a sinless nature allowed Christ to be tempted, yet remain without sin. He was tempted. He was, he was tempted in every facet throughout his life as we are. He was also intensely tempted whenever the Holy Spirit led him up into the mountain after his baptism and he fasted and prayed for 40 days, 40 nights, no food, no water and at his weakest moment physically and emotionally, Satan comes to him and puts on a full court press. Yeah. Twisting the scripture. Satan didn't just come to him with random things, he came to him with Bible verses 
and he switched them up. He changed some little minor, seemingly minor thing in them, but it wasn't a minor thing at all. It was a huge thing. And Jesus' response to refute him was the correct use of the scripture that Satan tempted him with. He corrected and addressed it. He stood. In Hebrews chapter 4 uh, and verse 15, he tells us, For we have not an high priest which cannot be tempted by the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, and yet without sin. He is sinless by nature. The sinless nature of the Savior makes it possible for him to have stood against sin and not capitulated and therefore is not defiled. He's in perfection. And then the fourth thing I would say about the sinless nature of Christ is this. The sinless nature of Christ made him a suitable sacrifice to appease the wrath of God. Because of his sinless nature, because of his sinless life, he is uniquely qualified to take upon himself our sin and to offer himself as a sacrifice. Listen, it's an amazing thing that Jesus offered himself a sacrifice, but it's critical that we understand that just because he offered himself a sacrifice doesn't mean that that sacrifice was in and of itself acceptable. If I were to jump up today and say, uh, hey, I'll offer myself a sacrifice for Pedro, the judge would look and say, you're not an acceptable sacrifice. You've got your own crimes to pay for. But Jesus didn't have any of his own crimes to pay for. And he didn't have a nature that needed to be paid for. He didn't have to worry about the sins of his father and the generations before him that were passed down. He just had to uh, represent his father in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he hath made him, God hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. We are Standing, if you've trusted Jesus as your Savior, we stand in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When God looks at us, He does not see our sin, He sees His Son. Amen. And that perfection. The virgin birth of Christ made possible the fulfillment of the Scripture. It made possible the sign for the Jews. It made possible the sinless nature of the Savior, making Him an acceptable sacrifice. There was nothing lacking uh, in him. He was all that God required. And then lastly this morning, number four, it makes the salvation of sinners possible. Because Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, the, the salvation of sinners is made possible. Understand this morning, if he was not virgin born, my salvation is an impossibility. For all the reasons that we've already discussed. John records John the Baptist as he sees Jesus, his cousin, approaching as he's out in the wilderness baptizing. In John chapter 1, verse number 29, he says, The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. John recognized, was sent before him, and he baptizes Jesus. And John's gospel doesn't actually record the process of baptism and the dove descending upon him and the voice of God. But he tells us about it in verse number 36. And looking upon Jesus as he walked, this is the next day, he saith, Behold the Lamb of God. He is proclaimed from the beginning of his ministry by God's authority, by God's word, by the witness of his works, that this is God. 
This is God's Son. This is God in human flesh. The salvation of sinners is made possible because a worthy sacrifice has emerged. Jesus comes and stands ready but worthy. And again, it's important that we understand that he's a worthy sacrifice. In 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse numbers, verses 18 and 19, he says, For as much as ye know that ye are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition of, from your fathers. In other words, you can't do penance. You can't, uh, you, know, you can't pay to light candles. You can't pay somebody else to pray for you. You can't. None of that is that. That's all just tradition of your fathers. It's the tradition a religion that's been passed down for men. And he's condemning that here, Peter, uh, that when Peter's writing and he's saying, you've not been redeemed with corruptible things such as silver or gold or payments made from your vain conversation or your vain way of life. A conversation biblically is almost always not just a talk. It is a habits and converse, a way of life uh, by your vain conversation received by tradition from the fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He is worthy because he is without spot. He is without blemish. He is there and he is willing. In Rome, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 12, he is proclaimed to be worthy. Uh, worthy is the lamb that was slain as they stand around his throne and laud him and proclaim him. He was a worthy sacrifice. Not only is he a worthy sacrifice this morning, but he's a willing sacrifice. Doesn't matter how willing he is if he's not worthy, and it doesn't matter how worthy he is if he wasn't willing. He was a willing sacrifice. John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 16, he says, Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, Pastor, I'm supposed to lay down my life for the brethren? Yes, as a living sacrifice. And it all ties together whenever God draws the net and uh, brings it about. And it is a willing sacrifice. In John's Gospel in chapter 10 and verse number 11, uh, he states that I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Jesus saw us, his sheep, lost and astray and without hope and said, I'll go to them and I'll pay the price that they can't pay. I'll offer myself in penalty. I will give my life for theirs that they might be brought back into fellowship with the Father. It is a willing sacrifice. And not only is he a worthy sacrifice and a willing sacrifice, but he is a waiting Savior. He's waiting for us to come to him. He's drawing us to him. He puts people in your path. He causes you to come upon relationships. He, uh, in the experiences of life that you have, tries to point your attention to him, uh, to lead you and to draw him to you, to him, you to him because he loves you and he is a waiting savior and he is wanting to save every sinner. That's what he came to do. Second Peter chapter three and verse nine says, the Lord is not slack uh, concerning his promises. Some men count slackness but is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He died for all. He's longing to save all. This morning as we look at this, consider that the virgin birth is important because it fulfills the scripture. I can trust the Bible because it has proven itself to be accurate and true in every aspect. There's not a single thing 
that God has promised that has not come to fruition uh, except for those last things of the last days that we're still waiting to be fulfilled. But he has a multi-thousand millennial track record of keeping his word. He is, a, he is uh, the fulfillment of the scripture. It was the sign for the Jews. He has a sinless nature making him an acceptable savior and he, is made the, he has made the salvation of sinners possible. Listen, I'm not going to go to heaven someday because I turned over new leaves, because I became a good person, because I came to church, read my Bible, got baptized, and what kind of people? The pastor, those are all good things. Yeah, they're all wonderful things. But they don't matter in light of my judgment as I stand before Christ and I'm judged righteous or sinful. I'm sinful. So, pastor, but you're, you're kind and nice most of the time. Try to be don't always succeed. There are places that I go that you wouldn't say that if you were with me. Generally, it's whenever traffic is involved. Uh, and so, it's just one of those things that, uh, you know, Jesus is, is perfect there. He's longing for you. He made it possible for you. You realize this morning the beauty of this? There's not a single thing that I can do to save myself. And there's not a single thing that's necessary to be done that he hasn't done. The only thing that I can do as I, I read his word and as I hear messages like this preached and as I, uh, as I maybe get a pamphlet or some material that, that explain this and there's something that stirs in my heart that says, you know, this is right. This rings true. There's something here that I'm missing that I've been longing for. That's not a feeling. That's the Holy Spirit of God stirring and working in your heart to draw you to the Savior. That is God loving you. That is God coming to you. That is God pulling you to himself. Don't discount that this morning. If that's you, say, but Pastor, I'm sinful and I feel so guilty about it. You put me on a guilt trip. No, I didn't. Somewhere along the line in our culture today, we have taken the idea that guilt is bad and that guilt is an abuse of authority or power. And I understand that it can be. But you understand that guilt is the mechanism that God gives us so that we want to turn from our sin that makes it possible for us to recognize that we've done wrong. We should feel guilty when we sin. We should feel guilty when we wrong one another. When we hear things proclaimed from the word of God, openly and in love, and we feel guilty, we shouldn't get mad at the person that's telling it to us. We should recognize that it's the love of God and his Holy Spirit working in us so that we can find a, our separation from that sin, forgiveness from that sin, victory over that sin. Jesus comes, and if you feel that burden this morning, say, Pastor, but I know that I've trusted Christ, but my life is a wreck, and I feel that burden and that guilt. Praise God for that. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. It's going to draw you back to him if you'll let it. Jesus did all of this, and he wrote it in his book. And he wrote it multiple times in multiple ways to multiple people of multiple ages and multiple cultures so that all of us could get the message. 
no matter what time, what place, what culture, what language, what, uh, what ethnic background, what, what financial or economic background any of us might come from. The word of God rings true. If we'll listen. And if we'll let him have his way. Why is that so important that Jesus was born of a virgin? Because if it wasn't, the scripture would be unreliable. If he wasn't, the Jews would still be looking for a sign. There would be nothing to point them to their Messiah. If he hadn't, we would be condemned by our sinful nature and have no way out. If he didn't, salvation would not be possible for us. Praise the Lord this morning for Christmas. It's not just about the birth of a baby in a unique way, in a unique place, in a unique time. It's about God looking down from heaven and saying, okay, Jesus, it's time. It's time to start the process of atoning man's sins and redeeming him back to ourself. It's time to enact the promise that we made to Eve and Adam in the garden whenever we told the serpent that her seed, not Adam's seed, her seed would bruise the head of the serpent. Let's fulfill the promise. My friends, this morning that promise has been fulfilled. We simply celebrate it once a year at Christmas time. What is it that we celebrate? All that God has made possible to us. He loved you enough to come. He loved you enough to offer himself up in sacrifice. He offered himself, he loved him enough to not succumb to death, but to win victory over it. And he loves us enough to say, if that weren't enough, I'm going to come to you where you are. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to draw you to me. Don't you think this morning it's time to stop fighting him? To stop resisting him? Isn't it time? Wouldn't it be a wonderful day today if you just, like Mary, said, as you've said unto me, so be it.